This morning, as we continue to go through our series on what child is this, we're talking about the names that were given about Jesus Christ in the book of Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6. And today we're going to talk about the name that was given to him, the everlasting Father. Now, there are a lot of things that we think that just keep going on. They're, they go on forever and ever. And if you're like me, you're a child of the 80s and the 90s, you might remember the Energizer Bunny. You notice he's still going. Uh, they even have commercials today. He's just got higher lithium batteries now, you know. Uh, he's more powerful, more bright, but he's still the same bunny. And the idea is that bunny is going to keep going. And I believe that my grandkids will eventually see that bunny one day because it just goes on forever. But not only is the Energizer bunny seem to be forever, one of the other things I've noticed is it seems like Google has knowledge forever. Have you ever noticed that? You can type in the dumbest things, I do not recommend it, but you can type in the dumbest things on Google that probably don't even make a lick of sense to anybody, and it'll pop up a hundred and some pages for you to go and explore. It can find anything that you put in there. It is unbelievable. So some people think that Google has knowledge that goes on forever. I'll tell you something else I believe that's going to go on forever are James Bond movies. I mean, they killed him in the last one. But he will be back. It's amazing. They already have a new plot and a new twist and a new way to bring him back. So I don't know. It just it amazes me that there are these things that seem to go on forever. But when we talk about the name we're going to talk about today, the everlasting father, we're really, really going to understand what it means by something that goes on forever. If, let's look at this again in Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6. Look with me. It says, for unto us... A child is born. This is why we are staying with this passage because it's talking about the babe that was born in a manger. These are the names that were given to that babe. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulder. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. We've already looked at the wonderful counselor. We've already looked at the mighty God. And today we're going to focus on the everlasting Father. What's amazing is this actually comes from one Hebrew word, which is Aved. It's just one Hebrew word that can be divided up into two that means everlasting Father. So we're going to begin by looking at the first part, and that is the everlasting. It comes from the abbreviation on there of ad, which means duration, continuity, and eternal. Now, really, when we discover this about God, we really see it in the book of Exodus when God speaks to Moses, and he begins in verse 13 and 14 when Moses asks him a question. It says, and Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they say to me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, thus shall you say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me. Now I love that name. There is so much contained in the word Yahweh, the name of God. I am, it means I am, I have been, I always will be. I'm the self-existing one. Nobody created me. I've always been here. I am the one who provides, the one who sustains, the one that watches over. I'm the maker, the shepherd. I am everything you could ever imagine. When God says that, he is declaring his eternity right there in his own name. Now, for us, this is hard to comprehend. 
Now we, can, we might can understand living forever, but what is hard for us to comprehend is eternity past. The fact that God has no beginning. You may say to yourself, well, John, that, that doesn't make sense. Everything has a beginning. Well, the beginning has to have a beginning. When I was at the Good News Club with the kids, a couple of the kids wanted to go out during the invitational time, and that was one of their questions they had for me. They said, how do we know that God is real? Who made God? And I said, I'm glad you asked that question. And I said, do you see this building here that we're in? They said, yeah, we see the building. And I said, how do you know there's a builder? I said, the building. I said, you see that painting over there? I said, how do you know there's a painter? And they said, well, the painting. I said, you can't see the builder who built this building. You can't see the painter who painted this painting. But you know that there was one. Now, there are a lot of people say, well, that doesn't make any sense. Well, it should make sense because if there's a creation, there must be a creator. Now, the thing about it is the world has two options for you. Understand, the, well, actually, the world offers one option. There's the true option, which is that God started it all. And then there's the other option that dust particles just came together, collided, and created everything that we know and see. Now, if you're in that camp, you have more faith than I have. You really do. It takes more faith because I would ask you, where do the dust particles come from? Now, you may say, well, Brother John, I got the same question for you. Where, where does your God come from? I can tell you my God's always been. He doesn't need to be created. He's always been. He always will be. He has lived in eternity past. Somebody had to start time. Can you imagine there's coming a day when in the future there won't be a need for a watch? You won't need to worry about a clock. You won't have to worry about when to go to bed. You won't have to worry about when to eat. Time is just no longer really going to be because we're going to live eternally with him. Well, guess what? That's the way it was in the beginning. God created time. He has always lived in eternity past. He has always been and he forever will be. And you say, well, how do you know this? Well, God himself declares it so many times in the scriptures. One of those scripture passages that teaches us this is found in the book of Isaiah chapter 57 and verse 15. For it says, thus says the high and lofty one, listen to this, who inhabits eternity. He inhabits eternity. What God is declaring there is, guess what? I am the maker of time. I'm the one who started the clock. I'm the one who wound it up. And the great thing is, is it's not like the watchman theory. God didn't wind it up and he's just letting us go. God is wound it up and he's watching over us. He's protecting us. He's providing for us. He's loving on us. God has always been. But this is not the only scripture that teaches this. In the book of Psalms, the psalmist writes in Psalm chapter 9, Verses 1 and 2, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations before the mountains were brought forth or ever you had formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. God, you've always been before creation ever existed, before anything that we see ever came about, there was God. You know, it's amazing that Genesis 1-1 begins with this declaration in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. You want to know why it starts there? Because God started with creation. He started with time. He started with everything. But God had already been. He didn't even feel the need to explain that he had been there all along. 
He didn't have to. Because it just doesn't, doesn't take a whole lot for us to recognize that the God who created everything that we see and know is the ultimate God and the one that is worthy of all praise and honor and glory. And somebody asked me one time, they said, well, Brother John said, well, what comes first? Because this is usually where the question goes, what comes first, the chicken or the egg? And I can tell you, I can answer it without any doubt in my mind. It's the chicken. It's the chicken. Now, you may say, well, what do you mean? Well, if we go by nature, you understand the egg has to be incubated. In other words, it cannot happen without the, chick, without the hen laying on the egg, giving it the heat, and helping it to be able to develop and become a little chick. So if the egg was born with no chicken, there's nothing to incubate it, nothing to hatch the egg. Just like creation, if there was no creator to start the whole of existence, what is the purpose in living? There isn't one. There isn't one. Now, here's the thing. You say, well, Brother John, this word, this title is about Jesus. You mean he's been from eternity? Look with me in Micah 5, 2. I'm glad you asked that question. He says, but you, Bethlehem, this is where Jesus was born, just so if you don't know that. But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathath, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel. He's talking about Jesus. Now, listen to this. Whose goings forth are from of old, from everlasting. He's always been. You see, a lot of people say, well, brother, if you read Genesis 1-1, you know, God is there. He's the one creating. God the Father is creating. And, and you read in verse 2 that the Spirit roams the world. Well, if you read the Gospel of John and you read Colossians, you know Jesus was there as well. And he wasn't just standing back watching the Father work. He was a part of the work. He's always been. But not only do we see it from eternity past, we also see it from eternity future. I love some of the names that are given to Jesus. In Revelation chapter 4 and verse 8, it says this, The four living creatures, each having six wings, were full of eyes around and within, and they do not rest day or night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. But I also love in Revelation 1.8, he says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. The Alpha being the first letter of the Greek alphabet. The Omega being the last letter of the Greek alphabet. In other words, God says, I'm the one who started and I'm the one who finishes. And I am the one who is in control of all of it. Now, I want you to kind of understand eternity just a little bit. And I'm going to use a, a fairly poor illustration, but I still hope that this will kind of help you out a little bit. Because what I want you to see is eternity is a really, really, really long time. And it goes on, and we see that it has no beginning. But I also want you to see that eternity has no end. Eternity goes on an extremely long time. And the reason why it's hard for us to grasp it, I want you to see that this little piece of black tape represents your life. This is your lifespan in the span of eternity. And as you can see, it's not much. And that's why it's hard for us to grasp eternity because if we live 70 years, or as Psalm says, 70 and two years, some of us live beyond that, some of us live less than that. What I do know is that our sliver of life is so small compared to eternity past and eternity future. And so when we take this little bit of our life and we try to live it for ourselves and we try to do what we want to do, we are ruining what God has created us for. We're not meant to live for this little portion of 
our life that may be 70 years or more or less. We're told to live for eternal purposes from the beginning to the end of our lives. Everything that we are is about the eternal, not the present. It's not about what we want, what we can get, how we want to live. It is all about the eternal I am. It is all about Yeshua, Jesus. It is all to be lived for him. And when we look at the span of eternity, what we should see is our life is but a vapor. It is here for a moment and then it is gone. But here's the great thing is God has promised us eternity future where we will live forever and ever and ever because God gives us that great blessing. You see, God is eternal. He is the everlasting Father. He is the ultimate one. And I tell you, it tells us this, that he dwells in eternity. I love it in 1 Timothy where it tells us that he dwells forever. 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 16 where it says this, Who alone has immortality dwelling in unapproachable light. He is immortal. It means he cannot die. Now, I'm going to tell you, this kind of takes us to a few things. If you think about it, there was a movie and a book series that came out a couple of, maybe a decade or so ago. Maybe you remember it called The Golden Compass. In that series of book, the ultimate conclusion is that they end up killing God. Now, thankfully, the movie only made it to one movie and it didn't take off very well. But the idea, the ultimate conclusion of that book was they killed God in the end. Now, it sounds a lot like Greek mythology. If you've ever read anything about Greek mythology, they try to kill the gods. Let me explain something to you. You can't kill Yahweh. He's immortal. They already tried it. They buried him for three days, and he rose up from the grave. You can't kill the immortal. He is forever. He's the everlasting now get this, this is the hard part. Father. You say, wait a minute, Brother John. He's called the Son of God. He's called the Son of Man. In every instance, he's called Son. So why would he be called the everlasting Father? He's not the same as God the Father, is he? Well, let's take a look at that. Because the word there for Ab is the word Father, Ancestor, or source. Some have had this misunderstanding that what this entails is that he is father in position. And so they use passages like John chapter 10, which to me is a misunderstanding, where in John chapter 10 and verse 30, he says, I and my father are one. And then in verse 38, he says, but if I do, though you do not believe, believe the works that you, you may know and believe that the father is in me and I in him. And so people take that passage and say, oh, okay, I got it, I got it. The Father and the Son are the same purpose. Well, are the same person. No. Now, we're going to get a little deep here for a moment, so I hope you'll follow me for a second. Now, the Bible does tell us in John 14, if you've seen the Father, you've seen, or you've seen the Son, you've seen the Father. So it can't be the same person. We, we defeated that doctrine so many centuries ago. It was called Arianism. And it was the idea that God was Father in the Old Testament. He was Jesus in the New Testament. He's the Spirit in the church today. But I need you to understand that he's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit at all times. He's three persons and yet he's one. You say, well, how do you get that? Is there any indication in the Bible where you see all three together? And the answer is yes, even in creation you see it. Because in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26, he says, let us make man in our own image. Now, please understand, a lot of people say, oh, well, that's 
God and the angels. No, it's not because the angels were created beings. He's talking to the uncreated ones, the Son and the Spirit, along with the Father. Let us, if you don't believe me, go to the New Testament where Jesus is baptized. The Father speaks from heaven and says, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. And the Spirit descends on him like a dove. The Trinity is found throughout Scripture. So he's not the Father in position because the Father is the Father and the Son is the Son. So why would he be called the ever? everlasting father some say well it's because he is father in character in other words he resembles the same character as the father now i will not disagree with that because the father and the son have the same character they're unified in their purpose in their character and everything that they do they are unified because they are one in that sense in fact jesus said it this way in verse 37 of matthew 23 oh jerusalem jerusalem the one who kills the prophets and stone those who are sent to her how often i wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings but you were not willing jesus mourned for the people of israel because they had walked away from god he mourned for them because it broke his heart in fact in matthew 11 he tells them to come bring all their burdens to him because he cares for them he has a caring merciful gracious character So yes, in a lot of ways, he is a lot like the father in the way he reacts and his personality and the things that he does. But I think you need to understand the word father here not only means father and ancestor, but it also means source. The everlasting source. Now you may say, well, what does that mean? Well, it means you came from him, you belong to him, and you have always been his. You say, well, how do you know? Well, John 1 tells us this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Listen to verse 3. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. Jesus had his hand in making you. He is the source. Now, here's the thing about the source. The source is the one we always go back to. I'm going to be honest with you. Even as a 48-year-old man, I still call my parents sometimes because I need some help. Anybody else do that? I still call them sometimes. I still call them because I need a little help on certain things. I need a little bit of wisdom Now, I'm thankful I've got some people here that I can turn to and find some wisdom as well. But there's just something about it. Sometimes we want to go to the source. What Jesus is indicating here is he is the ultimate source. If you got a question, you got a well that never runs dry. If you've, got, if you've got a need, you've got a well that never runs dry. You've got a source that never goes empty. You've got a source that never goes without. You've got a source that loves you because he made you. And he wants you to come to him. He wants you to trust in him. He wants you to believe in him that he has got you. You see, here's the thing. Many of you, he doesn't have in his hand right now because you don't have a relationship with him. The Bible tells us in John 10 that those who believe in him, he has them in his hand. And the Father has them in his hand. And then if you add Ephesians 1 to it, the Holy Spirit comes in and he seals that agreement. And here's the thing. When you're in the hands of the Son and you're in the hands of the Father and the Holy Spirit seals it, you can't get out of the hands of God. And to be honest with you, once you're in them, you don't want out of them anyways. You see, the amazing thing is, is we have a source that never runs dry. We have a source that made every last one of us, that formed you just the way he wanted you.
You've got one that loves you and cares for you more than anybody you will ever, ever know. That is our everlasting father. Well, let's put that together. What does it mean that he's our everlasting father? What well, means to me one of the greatest things of all, and that is this. Only one who is everlasting can guarantee you eternal life. If God can't live forever, he can't promise you something he can't keep unless he himself can do it. So the idea that God lives forever helps us understand that we too can live forever. You say, well, why do you say that? Well, John 3, 16, an oh so important verse that you probably all know, even if you haven't been in church in decades, you still probably know that verse. You may have never been in church and you may still know that verse because you've probably heard it before. And it goes like this, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's what makes the everlasting father so important because he makes a promise to us that only he can keep. Nobody else can offer you eternity. Nobody else can pay for your sins. Nobody else can make things right with the father except the son. Nobody else will be your advocate. Nobody else will stand before you in the judgment. Nobody else can robe you in their righteousness. Only Jesus can. Only he can offer you eternity because he is eternal. But listen to what it says. It's to only for those who believe. Only for those who believe. Now you need to understand something about believe. And this is where we have a lot of problems. Because even James 2.19 says even the demons believe and tremble. The demons knew who Jesus was. So what makes our faith different from the faith of the demons? It's simply this. Our faith is not just up here. Our faith is lived out in our lives. Our faith is real and genuine. Many people have a belief that that chair can hold them up. But true and genuine belief says, I believe this chair can hold me up. And then they put all their weight on it and trust that it will hold them up. When you come to Jesus, it's not just saying, I believe Jesus can do it all. It is trusting and putting all your faith and all your belief, and all your weight on the only one who can save your life. It's not trusting in your works. It's not trusting in grandma. It's not trusting in mom and daddy. It's not trusting in anybody but what Jesus Christ has done for you. It's not dependent upon whether you go to church, whether you get baptized, whether you go to Sunday school. It's not dependent upon whether you read the Bible, whether you pray, whether you do all kinds of things that Christians are supposed to do. It is dependent upon whether you put your full faith, complete faith, ultimate faith, and full on surrender in Jesus Christ and that alone is what will save you that alone is what will guarantee you eternal life that's what makes him the everlasting father I'm going to tell you I read these names and I'm just amazed I love digging into these scriptures and looking at what these things mean because the God that we serve let's be honest he can blow your mind and the truth is is he should you know why? Because you can be a pretty smart person, but your brain is finite. And I'm here to tell you, the infinite can't pour everything he knows into that little mind you got. But there is coming a day. There's coming a day where the Bible tells us that you and I 
will have the mind of Christ. Can you imagine when God opens us up to understand things that we never understood before? How beautiful that's going to be. My question this morning is, how amazed are you by the everlasting Father? Is he your source of life? Is he the source, the one that you run to, the one that you completely trust in, the one that you believe with all your heart is the only one that can save you? If you today have never put your ultimate control in Jesus, if you've never given your full surrender to Jesus, oh, I'm praying, let today be the day. Let today be the day where you say, you know what, I surrender all. I don't surrender some, I surrender all. God, it's all yours and I'm here to live for you. You have given me a promise, you're going to keep it because I believe and I put my trust in you. I pray today, let it be today you surrender to the everlasting Father.